you have a Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter 5. We'll look at verses 33 to 37 this morning. The text is also there on the next page of the uh, liturgy. Um, well, let me pray, then we can read the scripture. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, you have already prayed for us. Uh, you've already interceded for us on our behalf with the Father. Uh, that we would be sanctified in the truth of your Father's word. And Father, uh, now we pray the same thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, you have heard it that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God. Or by the earth, for it is his footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. So uh, most of the verses in this passage... Uh, are about the swearing of oaths, which isn't exactly an everyday practice for most of us, I would guess, uh, swearing of oaths in particular. But uh, really the main point of what Jesus is saying here is in that last verse. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil or from the evil one. Uh, You might translate that. Um, Let what you say be simply yes or no. He's not just saying you can only answer yes or no questions and you've got to limit your speech to that or anything. Uh, He's just talking about truthfulness in speech. Uh, Simple, honest, straightforward speech. The the main thing he's talking about is truthfulness in speech. And all this talk about oaths is in support of that basic idea, which uh, that basic idea, truthfulness in speech, certainly is a matter of everyday life for us. Whenever you speak, he's saying, let let it always be the straightforward, honest truth. Uh, Anything other than that, the simple truth, literally comes from the devil, he says. That's always applicable to us in all our conversations. So uh, let's talk about it. Let's consider this idea of truthfulness in our speech. And let's start where Jesus uh, does here, talking about oaths, even though that may be a bit removed from our regular uh, everyday life, uh, we can we can see uh, what he's getting at by talking about oaths here. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, wrote the book, The Cost of Discipleship. Uh, Just a fair warning up front. I'm going to quote him several times here. Um, Nobody accuse me of plagiarism. This is a a sermon about truthfulness in speech. (laughs) All right. A lot of these ideas come from Bonhoeffer. Um, He says, what is an oath? It is an appeal made to God in public, calling upon him to witness a statement made in connection with an event or fact past, present, or future, by means of the oath, men invoke the omniscient deity to avenge the truth. So, um, I mean, you can look up the dictionary definition of oath. This is, a, this is a good theological understanding of it. Basically, an oath is saying, I'm really telling the truth here, and I invite the God of truth to judge whether I am telling the truth and to hold me to telling the truth or to bring forth the truth if I'm not being truthful. Invite the God of truth to come and bear witness and help the truth come forth and to avenge the truth if I don't uh, speak it. So um, 
past, present, or future, right? Maybe you're insisting on uh, your account of past events, right? I swear that's how it happened. Maybe uh, you're insisting on things that are secret that other people can't really know, but that you know, and that, uh, you know, I swear this is what I'm thinking. I, I swear this is how I feel. Um, maybe you're making a vow, a promise about the future. I swear I will do this thing. I will keep my word. Uh, whatever it is, by an oath, you're making yourself accountable to God. At least um, that's the way oaths are talked about in the Bible, right? Biblical oaths, you're making yourself accountable to God, the God of truth. <clears throat> and actually, it's important to note um, up front here that the Bible doesn't require people to take oaths. The Bible does not require us to take oaths. The verses, uh, just sort of an, another example of this, <clears throat> uh, the verses immediately before our passage here, uh, they talk about divorce. Uh, we talked about that last week a little bit, but we didn't really talk about this idea uh, that the Bible doesn't require anyone to divorce from their spouse. The Bible never requires you to get a divorce. Even if there are biblical grounds for divorce, it doesn't require that. <clears throat> the Bible allows for divorce. And when the Bible speaks about divorce, it's looking to regulate the process of divorce, right? But it doesn't require it. In a similar way, the Bible allows people to take oaths and looks to regulate them when we do take them. So it says things like this in Deuteronomy 6. It is the Lord your God you shall fear, him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. So if you're going to swear an oath, it should be done with reference to the God of truth. And you should tell the truth because of your relationship with him, because you fear him. So the problem with oaths is that they're allowances that are made for sinners. <clears throat> That's the problem with them. Oaths are for people who have broken their relationship with the God of truth. Oaths are for sinners who tend not to speak the truth in the first place, right? So Bonhoeffer again says, the very existence of oaths is a proof that there are such things as lies. The very existence of oaths is a proof that there are such things as lies. The only reason I would need to take an oath is if, generally speaking, I couldn't be trusted to tell the truth, right? Uh, it's like... Sometimes you say to someone reluctantly about a difficult part of a conversation you have, look, I'm going to be honest with you here, which sort of implies that normally I wouldn't like to be quite so honest, right? Um, the, the oath as a category of speech suggests that other less truthful speech is possible or even likely or pervasive. Right? So sinners, we embrace the untruth. And uh, we do it in such a way that we even manipulate the truthfulness that's intended by things like this, like these oaths. So we can turn oaths into opportunities to deceive. And that's what Jesus is referring to here. The scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they had said that, you know, some oaths are less binding than others. Yes, of course we have to obey God. That's in the Bible. So the strongest oath we can use is the one where we swear by him and of course, yes, if, if you swear by God, you better keep that. Uh, there's, there's no way out. You have to tell the truth if you swear by God. <clears throat> but if we want to leave ourselves a little wiggle room in case our speech uh, turns out to be not entirely honest, or in case we just can't quite manage to keep our word for some reason, then uh, we just make these oaths that'll be a little less serious, just a little less serious. So, we can swear by heaven or by the earth 
or swear by Jerusalem or by my grandmother's grave or something else uh, that sounds really lofty and important, right? But, but isn't technically the same as swearing by the God of truth himself. You've cut off that reference to God. You've spoken without reference to God, right? <clears throat> so technically, the teaching would be uh, we wouldn't be bound to absolute truthfulness by an oath like that. And we let ourselves think that the consequences or the judgment it won't be quite so bad. And then we can appear to be honest. We can appear to be honest by swearing an oath, even a fancy religious oath, which probably seems even more impressive than, you know, sort of regular everyday speech. So with a little cleverness here and a little guile there, a little subtle manipulation of the truth, we can have others believe that we're honest people. We can have others believe that we're trustworthy people. But that's just an appearance of honesty. And it's just made for the sake of appearances. Right? Rather than actually for the sake of the truth with regard to God, with reference to God, the God of truth. Jesus says you're on dangerous ground when you use a, the appearance of truthfulness like that. He tells us the truth and he calls us to live in the reality of the situation. He says when you swear an oath by something like heaven, look, what you're really doing is you're swearing by God. Because heaven is only real because it's connected to the reality of God. Heaven is God's throne. So if you want to swear, if you want to swear a substandard oath for deceitful purposes, you can't very well swear by heaven, can you? <clears throat> you can't fool the God of truth. He will judge the truthfulness of your words. Same with the earth. It's God's footstool. Same with Jerusalem. It's God's holy city. In fact, the implication here is that you can't swear by anything that is real without it being connected to the God of all reality. He is the God of all truth. All truth belongs to him. All reality belongs to him. And he will judge if you want to swear a substandard oath for deceitful purposes. Ultimately, God will hold you accountable. Pay attention to what it is you're actually doing. You're attempting to deceive by pretending to be an honest person. You're using the truth to, to lie. If you want to promote the appearance of truthfulness about yourself, but you want to do it for deceitful purposes, then you're wholly embracing the lie. There's no truth in that, and God will judge. You can't have truth apart from the God of truth. You can't deny the God of truth while pretending to insist on the truth. And that's what we would uh, try to do by swearing oaths with the intention of deceiving or, you know, maybe by looking to impress others with the appearance of honesty. You want to come across like a good, honest person, right? Oaths uh, can't fix our untruthfulness. We can deceive with our speech, whether we're telling lies or whether we're manipulating the truth, making it seem like we're telling the truth. We, we need to live utterly in the light of the truth which is what Jesus calls us to in this part of his sermon. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Simple, straightforward, honest, constant truth in our speech, whether you're talking about little things or whether you're talking about big things. Is that really so hard? Simple, straightforward, honest, constant truth in our speech. Is it really so hard? Why, yes, yes, it is for sinners who have divorced themselves from the God of truth. Why is it so hard for us to speak the simple truth? There could be several reasons. Maybe we're afraid of the response of others <clears throat> when we speak the truth. 
easier to maintain an image and a semblance of a pleasant relationship if you don't quite speak the truth. Maybe we're manipulative, uh, whether that's conscious or not, you know, manipulating the truth. Maybe we're trying to avoid consequences, or uh, maybe we're even trying to avoid hurting other people by the truth, right? Whatever the reason, uh, when you embrace untruth in speech, whether by blatantly lying or by subtly massaging the truth, you're, uh, you're dismantling reality in favor of an alternate reality of your own making. Speech is a relational activity. That's why we have it. We speak because we're relational. And when you embrace untruth in your speech, you break the very possibility for relationship. When you embrace untruth, you live in unreality. So whatever your relationship is you think you have with others, it can't be real if there's no truth. Reality and truth go together. You actually hear uh, something like this pretty frequently. I just can't bring myself to tell this person the truth because it'll probably ruin our relationship. Uh, this is what you need to know. If you can't tell the truth, you've already ruined the relationship. And whatever relationship you'd like to think that you have, it's not grounded in reality. It's not real. The one true God, the one real God, the God of truth, he's the God of love and the God of relationships. And to reject truthfulness in speech is to reject reality in relationship. And it's to reject the reality of the God of truth and love. You know that's true. You know the pain of being lied to. You know the pain of being lied to. Maybe your parents lied to you about something. Maybe your spouse lied to you. Or maybe your children have lied to you. Maybe someone at work or one of your neighbors lied to you. Even when they claim that the lie was benign, <clears throat> it's no big deal, uh, it's nothing personal, uh, or even I lied to protect you from the pain, it still hurts. It still hurts. And it still breaks down the relationship. Maybe you know that you've hurt someone by lying to them. You can't love people and lie to them. You can't let others believe that you're an honest person when you're not. You can't promote an untrue reality and also be living in reality. Bonhoeffer, again, says untruthfulness destroys fellowship, destroys fellowship. The only way to embrace untruthfulness and still think, still believe that you're an honest person living in real relationships in the light of God's actual true reality is by deceiving yourself and lying to yourself. And we all do that. And it's remarkable that that's even possible, that we can lie to ourselves and deceive ourselves, but we all deceive ourselves. Just sit with that and think about that for a while. This complete embrace of untruthfulness is something that's right at the core of who we are as sinners. We, we fool ourselves. We don't even know we're doing it, embracing untruth. In the garden, we believed and embraced the lie about God, and then we started immediately lying about ourselves to protect ourselves started concealing the truth and distorting the truth and manipulating the truth and managing appearances and controlling the narrative 
and uh, blaming others, which is a lie, gaslighting others, making them believe that they were guilty. <clears throat> now, and now every kind of lie infects our speech and our relationships from the child who lies about having already brushed his teeth to Putin blaming the West for Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Is it really so hard to speak the simple truth? Yes, it is. As long as we're more concerned with appearances than with reality, as long as we're more concerned with advancing our own interests than we are actually with loving other people, as long as we're unwilling to become vulnerable and confess our sins, as long as we feel we have to protect ourselves from the truth, as long as the God of truth seems like a threat to us, it's going to be hard to tell the truth. When we splinter our reality into times when we do tell the truth and times when we don't really have to, uh, times under oath and times when we're free of oaths, then we're assuming that the God of truth is only relevant to us when we decide he's relevant to us. When we decide to tell the truth, right? Who would want to believe that the God of truth was always present to judge us? Everything we said. Who would want to believe that? This is exactly what Jesus is calling us to believe and to embrace by embracing the truth in all our speech. Let what you say, everything you say, be simple, straightforward, honest speech. All our words are to be as truthful as the highest oaths can be. Every time we engage in the relational activity of speech, we're to do so, believing that the God of truth is present. Again, Bonhoeffer says, every word we utter is spoken in his presence, and not only those words which are accompanied by an oath. So does that sound threatening to you, or does that sound wonderful to you? Stanley Hauerwas says, our speech always takes place in the presence of God. To learn to speak truthfully to one another requires that we learn to speak truthfully to God. That is, we must learn to pray. We have to learn to relate to the God of truth according to his truth, according to his reality, which he's revealed to us. Once there's reconciliation there between us and the God of truth, then we can speak truthfully in all our relationships. In the beginning of this, uh, this return to truthfulness in relationship with God is actually in hearing him speak the truth to us. He speaks the truth first, right? So Jesus prayed to the Father in John 17, his high priestly prayer, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The first thing in this reconciliation process and making us whole and healing us and restoring us to truthfulness is speaking his word, the truth to us. Jesus himself is the word of God. Jesus himself is the truth from God for our relationship with God. Jesus reveals the reality of God to us The truth that God loves us even though we embraced untruth. Even though our lies would ultimately lead to his suffering on the cross. Jesus makes known to us the lies that we tell ourselves. Jesus makes known to us the lies that we tell others. We wouldn't be aware of them if he didn't reveal them to us. He convicts us of the truth that we have not been living in reality. We've been deceiving ourselves. So we've been creating our own alternate reality, which is unreality, and breaking all our relationships, and especially our relationship with God. He's the one who tells us this. 
And he calls us to return to the God of truth, even to a relationship of incredible intimacy with the God of truth. So we learn to speak the truth to God in prayer, beginning with confession. We've not always spoken the simple, straightforward, honest truth, that our speech has come from evil, from the evil one, from the father of lies himself, who sought to break our relationship with God by manipulating, massaging the truth of God just a little bit so that we would believe the lie. We bought it. And again, the question is, who would want to quit the self-deception and raise their hand and say, yeah, I bought it. I can't blame anybody else for my lies. I'm the one who lied. Who wants to indict themselves and speak that kind of truth to the God of truth? Only someone who doesn't want to be known as a truthful person, known as an honest person, but who actually wants a relationship with the God of truth, who knows that only then can they live in relationships in reality. Only someone who knows Jesus to be the truth and to be the judge of truth, only someone like that will will come to him in truthfulness. He is the true word from God spoken to us, and that that truth means love, and that truth means forgiveness. Jesus always spoke the truth in love. He was absolutely committed to it with every person that he met, every person he engaged in that relational activity of speech. He spoke the truth in love, even though it cost him dearly to maintain his confession. He engaged in reality when he related to people. He always lived and spoke as he knew that he was in the presence of God. His life aligned with the reality of God. He never let fear or self-protection or self-advancement drive his speech. He never cleverly manipulated the truth or managed it in any way. He showed us what a simple, straightforward, honest, truthful life looks like. He also showed us that speaking the truth doesn't guarantee that others will believe you. He showed us that speaking the truth does not mean they will respond well to you. And that's okay. He showed us that's okay. Jesus provided the foundation for us to have a real relationship with God by speaking the truth about God to us and speaking the truth about ourselves to us and by speaking the truth about us to God. His sacrifice on the cross was the true confession of our sins to God. And we have such a forgiveness in him that we're free then to speak the truth in love. Again, Bonhoeffer says, it's only because we follow Jesus that we can be genuinely truthful. For then he reveals to us our sin upon the cross. The cross is God's truth about us. And therefore, it is the only power which can make us truthful. When we know the cross, we're no longer afraid of the truth. You don't have to be afraid to speak the truth to God. You're free to confess your sins without fear because, yes, the cross is God's judgment of our untruth. But the cross is where that judgment fell upon his son instead of us. The cross is where the truth of God's love is seen most clearly because Jesus The true one was willing to suffer the judgment in our place. So, you don't have to manage the truth. Not with God, not with yourself, not with anybody. You don't have to manage the truth or do damage control 
You can let the truth about your relationship with God be what it is. It's, it's the cross where your untruth died when Jesus died for you. You can speak the truth to him because he speaks the truth of forgiveness to you. And if, if that's where prayer begins, that level of simple, straightforward, honest truthfulness, then imagine where your relationship with God can go after that, continue after that, free to live in the truth. You can offer up all kinds of prayers to God, all kinds of supplications, using the Psalms, for example. Uh, You know, we're afraid to use many of these Psalms because they seem too honest. They seem too painfully honest. Yeah, if you'd like to stay just a little bit dishonest, don't use the Psalms. But if you want a relationship with the God of truth, then go ahead. You're free to use the Psalms. Open your heart to him. Make yourself vulnerable before him. Tell him your hopes and your longings. Tell him your pain and your anger and your fears and ask him your desperate questions. As Nathan read in our Old Testament reading from Psalm 86, teach me your way, O Lord that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. So your, your heart needs to be united in one fear. The good fear of God. The fear that causes you to run to him rather than run away from him. Run to him and to learn from him. Right? Your heart needs to expel the fear of anything else and to fear God alone so that you can learn to walk in his ways and walk in his truth. If you don't fear God, you won't be able to walk in truth. You won't be able to walk in his ways. <clears throat> learn in your relationship with God what it means to be free to speak truthfully. And learn from him why you would want to speak truthfully. To live in reality together. That's the purpose. To live together for love's sake in the light of the truth. And then you take that relationship with God, the God of truth. You take that relationship public. You let everything you say to anyone be the simple, straightforward, honest truth knowing that you're always speaking in the presence of God with reference to God because of your relationship to God. You can live in reality. You can stop hiding. You can stop deceiving and manipulating. You can speak the truth for the good of your relationships. You can speak the truth for good of other people. You can't control whether those people will believe you. You can't control whether those people will respond well to you, but that's okay. Speaking the truth isn't about managing people's perceptions. Speaking the truth is not about managing people's responses to you. That's the opposite of truthfulness. Attempting to do that, to manage their perceptions or responses to you, it wouldn't be speaking the truth in love. It would be speaking the truth for selfish purposes, which is deceitful. Following Jesus, speaking the truth in love, means we speak the truth because it is our faithful response to the God of truth. That's why we speak the truth. Last time for Bonhoeffer. Untruthfulness destroys fellowship, but truth cuts false fellowship to pieces and establishes genuine brotherhood. So the truth of Jesus has cut through all our untruthfulness, cut through all our illusions, and has established a real relationship between us and God, and it is the same foundation that we need and that we have for our relationship with each other. God is your witness. The God of truth is your judge. And if you know Jesus, you know that's good news. So let's live in his truth together. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, apart from the light of your word, the light of your truth, the light of Christ, we would not know reality. And we would not know true relationship at all, whether with you or with anyone. Thank you that you have not left us in the dark, but that you invite us to walk in the light, even as you are in the light. Even so, it is still uh, so tempting for us to embrace untruth, to protect ourselves or to advance our own interests. And so uh, we thank you for knowing the truth about us, for knowing us truly as we are, and for your forgiveness, which is already proclaimed in Christ, and for telling us the truth. We pray that you would help us to know the truth about you and about ourselves, to be free of untruth, to be free of self-deceit even, free to live in your presence always and to embrace reality in our relationship with you. Help us always to speak the simple, straightforward, honest truth for love's sake. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.